right, welcome everybody to the fourth episode of the Steelers Insider Podcast. I am one part of the duo that makes up this podcast. My name is Jeremy Rist, it's one of your hosts. And alongside me is Jim Wexel. Jim, great to see you this morning. Great to see you, Jeremy. And it's another tough week. We're starting out here because uh, it's another loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, and hopefully we can get some positivity this weekend against the Packers. But we've got a lot to cover here today in terms of the performances that we saw on Sunday or lack thereof performances. Um, And we'll go through the entire offensive performance, starting with Big Ben. Uh, A lot of talk about whether or not he's done, he's finished, stick a fork in him. Uh, through Najee and his record-setting 14 receptions. And then we'll move over to the defense uh, when we take a look at the injuries and how they've really impacted this squad. Um, We'll also take a look at can this team improve and maybe get an early prediction for Green Bay. And then we'll close out with our terrible three, which is always fun where I launch three questions Jim's way that he doesn't know are coming. And we get some great takes from that. So, Jim, we'll jump right in here. Again, devastating loss, 24-10, AFC North loss, uh, 0-1 in the division. Not a great start for the Steelers team. And when you look at this performance and how the Steelers played, really it starts with Ben. Um, How did you see his play contribute to what the outcome was? And do you think he's going to be able to correct these mistakes? think he's going to be able to be 24 again soon. (laughs) Yeah. uh, You know, we all knew Ben was where he's at. I think we all knew that, right? I mean, we didn't expect old Ben mobility. I think we still get surprised when he frees himself from sacks. I think his arm is still good enough. That's, I think that's what's kept Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin in this, wanting mm. wanting to do what they've done, go for it this year. His arm, I, I, I mean, I see him making some really good throws. I, I hear complaints about the James Washington throw down the sideline. I thought it was a pretty good pass. I thought James Washington was running in quicksand. It, it, I thought it, it, it drove home the point that they don't have real speed out there. You know, we saw Ruggs, we saw Jamar Chase. Oh, my yeah. God, are we going to see him for a while? Yeah. <laughs> the way he flew past Pierre. Yeah. I mean, the Steelers don't have that. They have Chase Claypool, who can get deep and use his size and strong hands to high point balls. But you just don't see that great speed. They don't have that. But I I think the bigger point is that I don't think any of us, I shouldn't speak for everyone, but at least me and Colbert and Tomlin and Ben and Canada didn't think it would take this long to get a running game in place because that's what Ben needs. We knew he is who he is. We figured he needed a running game. Right. That would open things up. I mean, he's taking seven-step drops. He's probably dropping too far. I I still think he's so wary of the offensive line that it's making him more skittish than usual. 
He's, he's bailing sooner. He's dropping deeper. He's throwing while his feet are still moving. Um, you know, that, that interception, that throw back into the middle, he's doing things he normally wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Like the offensive lines in his head, the lack of a running game is leading to that. I think it all just, we all thought Najee would, would spare them the rebuilding of the entire offensive line. We thought Matt Canada would be able to bring that pit running game with him. Uh, it kind of all made sense on paper because the offensive line was so bad last year. Mm-hmm. How much worse can it get? We all said, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Pretty bad. <laughs> so it's just going to take longer than we thought. And um, probably can't be done by the time Ben's announces the retirement. Mm-hmm. That's what it's looking like today. Yeah. Yeah. The, I would agree. You know, when I'm watching him back there, it looks like there's hesitation and a lack of trust in what he sees. And I'm sure a lot of that is he doesn't want to get his head knocked off because he is running for his life back there. But something I brought up last week and something that has uh, resurfaced multiple times uh, in social media is just his unwillingness to attack the middle of the field. And they have the passing chart where they'll show specifically, you know, he's attacking the perimeter, he's attacking uh, across the line of scrimmage, even behind the line of scrimmage with the dump offs. But that middle of the field is still an area that he's not attacking. Do you think that that is attributable to the uh, inability of the O-line to protect or is, is it he's afraid to make a mistake by taking a shot deep down the middle? I mean, look at all his seven-step drops. He's playing right into his offensive tackles' problems. Mm-hmm. Not, he's not willing to five-step drop and step up into the pocket. There is some semblance of a pocket there. Not all the time. I know he has a rookie center who's probably struggling with stunts. I mean, he struggled with a stunt real early. Yeah, Maybe that set the tone for Ben, but I'm all the, all his one on ones are out outside, and that's what his receivers do. They can go up and get it. I I don't know enough to talk about the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like to see more Fryermuth for sure. Agreed. But, you know, the guy doesn't. They don't block like Kevin Rader, and I, I know you have an opinion about Eric Ebron. Yes. So you have two light blocking tight ends. Uh, do you do you play them more just to use the middle of the field? Mm-hmm. I thought Najee's doing a lot of crossing stuff and taking advantage of the middle of the field. Right. Uh, all that crossing stuff on third and sixteen, they cross for a two yard route. So there's your middle of the field. I I don't know how to. I didn't know how to answer it last week. I all I said was more Fryer move. Yeah. He scores a touchdown. And they stopped throwing to him. So, yeah, and and I think at this point with Eric Ebron, and this might—I'm not trying to have a hot take here, but I mean the guy consistently frustrates. It's got to be frustrating for Roethlisberger because how many times has he found Ebron on a third down play that would have converted um, and and kept the drive alive, and he drops the pass. And even in the end zone, I know that that would have been a difficult catch this weekend. He's got to squeeze that ball. I, I don't know what he what value he brings to this offense. And maybe this is again hot takeish, but I'd cut him or try to move him and and put Freyermuth in there. He's the future. Uh I, I hey, sticking with your nicknames, I, I dubbed him Pittsburgh Pat. So that's 
that's the new Freyer Muth nickname. But why not? Why not? That's going to work. I mean, it's Muth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, got two. (laughs) I mean, you might as well call him Pittsburgh Pierogi Pat. You know, I I love your take on Ebron, not so much on the nickname. Yeah, but you know, the 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 little shovel pass to Freyer Muth there in the end zone that was beautiful. Um, Got points on the board, but take take a shot to Freyer Muth down the middle of the field. You know, I we haven't seen a lot of that with him, but. You know, I think you see what you get with Ebron. There's carryover from last year to this year with his drops. Um, I just think it's time to cut bait. And maybe if this team starts to lose more, we'll see some changes like that. Um, but shifting gears a bit, offensive line. Well, let's uh, not – do we have to leave the Eric Ebron take already? Or you no, no, to- no. If you want – please. Because I've been looking for a way to get Raider on the field. Yeah. And I think that meshes nicely with your cut Ebron. And, you know, he's such a warrior that it would send us. I say that sarcastically. It would send a signal. Uh, You know, this. When he came out and talked about the badass room and these tight ends are badasses in training camp. And the next day they all got ragdolled by the outside linebackers in the backs on backers drill. You know, he just doesn't stop. I, I hate to come down on people that give us good quotes. But he doesn't stop with the mouth, and he's just not showing anything. And I'll agree with you. You know, Friar Muth is a, a, a willing blocker, and he's going to get better. Yeah. You can't have – you can't – I don't – I just – man, you have a problem with your offensive line, and now you have two weak blocking tight ends – and you start Gentry, okay, you have, a, you know, Gentry has some size and maybe you're not ready to cut bait with him, but Raider's the only guy that blocks, really yeah. blocks. Yeah. I know he's not much of a threat, but geez. So, um, you know, the middle of the field, uh, um, I think that goes back to the speed too. The, there's mm-hmm. no speed on the outside opening things up for the tight end the way they used to open things up for uh, Heath Miller. Yeah, uh, I, I like your take on Ebron. It would shake things up, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, I remember that block. Uh, I think it was against the Lions or maybe the, the Eagles in preseason where Raider just absolutely destroyed a defensive lineman. I think I think it was like an interior block and uh, was it Balazs scored a touchdown. So I'd like to see, you know, Raider get a shot uh, again. Maybe I have a bias here against Ebron, but they've got to shake something up. Um, speaking of blocking, blockers, right? I mean, calling yeah. all blockers. Yeah. Yeah. They need something. I think you make a statement. I, I'm not sure exactly how it breaks your offense when this offense is already broken, you know, to, to have another real blocker in there is not that much of a threat, but he's not that bad of an offensive player. You give him a short, short pass. We've saw, we've watched him run with the ball right runaway beer truck you know <laughs> runaway beer truck so, hey i'll take a runaway beer truck over a guy who drops the beer constantly <laughs> so, can't be dropping no more beers man. no party foul <laughs> so o-line um can they get better or or, or is this what we're going to see i mean being that it's a young group i I've, I've been saying that around week four or five this is week four that we should see some improvement, but 
do you think that this group is limited in terms of what they're able to deliver? Or do you think we'll see some improvement here? I think we saw actually saw improvement this week over the Raiders game. You know, Kendrick Green, his head's spinning. He's playing as hard as he can. His head's spinning. And Hour went in there, and it seemed to calm things a bit. Um, if, if Green's nicked up this week, it wouldn't be the worst thing to give him a break. But the problem with doing that is now it's Hassenauer's job, and, and that's how pro coaches operate. Mm-hmm. And, well, let's just give him this week. But if Green is injured uh, to a degree where he needs to sit out, then it wouldn't be the worst thing to play a more polished center guy who's been in big games, yeah. college games, who's been here a couple years. Uh, he doesn't have Kendrick Green's potential, but that that might calm the waters a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, you have basically three rookies up there on the left side with counting Dotson. I, I, I like some of the things I'm seeing from Moore at left tackle. I like a lot of the things I'm seeing. I don't know who else they could have drafted. I keep hearing complaints that, Instead of a running back, they should have t- taken a tackle. But the, the only guy who who was worth taking at that time is out for the year with a back injury. Yeah, and he had the back problem at draft time, and they knew about it. Mm-hmm. So, I, Dan Moore, uh, you know, when Zach Banner comes back, maybe they have the thought that they're going to move a core four over to left tackle. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. I would keep Dan Moore there. But I would stop taking the old twenty-step drop, Ben. <laughs> or uh, Brown, uh, more. I keep calling him Brown. Moore's trying to, you know, push his guy back, and he's pushing him back right into Roethlisberger's deep drops. Bruce Arians, I thought, pretty much took all that out of the offense. Mm-hmm. It's back. He's dropping too far because he's afraid. Yeah, <laughs> probably rightly so. <laughs> but get up in there. <laughs> it really it, it they got to get that running game going yeah and it's just not going to happen overnight right pass game helps the run game run game helps the pass game right right it's, it's, uh, it's all going to depend on the o-line and they really could use a little more speed at wide receiver mm-hmm. maybe Deontay helps that yeah yeah so zach banner is eligible to return from uh injured reserve this week it, any indication that he's going to be healthy enough to come back and could he play sunday against the packers Oh man, I don't know if they throw him right in. It, well, if a core four is out with a concussion, so the general's up, right? Well, they want to keep the general snaps down. This will be this will <laughs> never be anything they'll admit to. But they have a fifth round comp pick on the balance whether the general plays twenty five percent more snaps. Okay, and the general was just getting ragdolled all over the place anyway. <laughs> hey, at least he's got a great nickname. I mean, <laughs> that alone <laughs> should be good for something. I don't know. I, you know, uh, so uh, if Zach comes back, we're going to find that out later today in Mike Tomlin's press conference, I'm sure. But he and Tuit are eligible to come back. I believe there's another uh, guy on injured reserve. Yeah. Um, oh, geez. I can't remember. But there, you're right. There's somebody else there. Let's not be. Worth remembering, I guess. Uh, so uh, I can't think of it right now. Uh, yeah. 
It's too early. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, uh, but at least we got Banner and Tuit right. And, there we go. You know, Tuit's Tuit's they're promoting his charity works right now, so he's back in the game mentally. It seems. Yeah. And, you know, that was a big worry on my part because I, I haven't been able to talk to him. Mm-hmm. So you never, I, I don't think any of us outsiders knew where he was at mentally, but if he's doing his uh, charity works and they're promoting it last week. So now you just worry about the physical, the knee issue that mm-hmm. apparently bugged him in training camp that nobody talked too much about because they suddenly put him on IR. Right. And so he's needed to. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a big lift to get uh, to it back. <clears throat> and if Banner could get back just to see, if he could be an upgrade over what what's out there. Well, that's the thing, Jeremy. We don't know if he can be. Right. He really hasn't played any more than any of these other guys. Right. Right. You know, he's been in the league a little longer, but so uh, he's a question mark in all of our minds. A core four, you know, if he can go, you go with him. And I, I stick with more out of left tackle. Yeah. Well, he's a, he's a young guy with a, uh, I think a high ceiling. So I, I don't, again, with, with more with green, and even with dots, and I think they're they're such young guys with not a lot of experience. I think they have time to grow. But in terms of Trey Turner, I haven't really been impressed what he's put out there. And, and Chukes, I mean, I think he is what he is at this point. So, you know, it's, I, I keep saying it. I've been saying it since back in August, the waiver wire. I mean, there's got to be a body out there that <laughs> maybe is it's somewhat better. I mean, I don't know. but Or, or can Kevin Col- Colbert make a call? something i don't know you know it's a process i don't know that you give it all up they've given up they've stayed under the radar they've given up some stuff but it's i think it's still okay for rebuilding mode i don't think they're throwing away everything they did go all in this year um we just all hoped that this o-line would develop quickly Mm -hmm. and we're fooling ourselves i mean even the DeCastro Pouncey line, uh, it took time. Yeah. It took time. 2013 was a disaster. I saw some awful games then when they had Mike Adams. I believe he was a left tackle. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I believe Moore is a left tackle of the future, and Kendrick Green's the center of the future, and Dotson's a left guard. And I think there's a right tackle. You would hope it's Banner. And so there's four, and Turner's veteran enough. you got some other guys that can fill in. I think we all hoped a little too much and pretended it would just happen. And now we're seeing that it just doesn't, it just doesn't. And it won't. Right. Well, the guy who is running behind that offensive line, Najee Harris had a strong day in the receiving game. Um, all of those <laughs> passes we found out after the game were uh, check downs. They weren't design routes, but even though he's not putting up the rushing totals that we expected, it's very difficult when you're getting hit two yards behind um, the offensive line. But, you know, I think he's shown he's a physical guy. He doesn't stop driving his legs. He's always going to try to get you positive yards. And I really think moving forward, he's got to be the focal point of this offense. Canada's got to build their game plan, their scheme around Najee. I don't think it's the, the receivers or Ben anymore. But do you feel that – Harris has played up to your expectations um, and how do you project him out for the rest of the season in terms of his play? 
Well, Franco Harris didn't really get rolling at all. I mean, Najee's rushing totals are better than his at this point in the same career. Uh, you know, as you pointed out, Najee's catching the ball. I don't know that you want to be any – I'm – I don't know if I agree with you that he has to be more of a focal point than he has been. I just don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. And again, he doesn't have, he doesn't bring you speed. That, that's one thing for a first round pick. He doesn't, he isn't that speed guy. I mean, he's, he's got good speed for his size and things like that. Le'Veon Bell type, and he's going to be a good to great running back, but they still for a first round pick, they didn't bring in, Anybody who's scary on that offense, they mm-hmm. don't have it. Um, and the line's going to need to develop, and the passing game has to open up the running game too. Mm-hmm. So it's all got to work hand in hand. And you just plot forward. It's I don't think it's hopeless by any means, but all like I, I've been saying, and I'm probably boring you now, <laughs> it's a process. It really yeah. is. And we all hoped it would be more quick. And yeah. Easy. Yep, to the to the chagrin of Steelers Nation <laughs> everywhere. Shifting gears to the defense, this team is really impacted by injuries. Um, we're not going to get a lot of sympathy because you look at teams like the Ra- Ravens and, and other squads in the NFL who have just as many, if not more, injuries, and they're still finding a way to win. Uh, but you saw it, especially at that outside linebacker position with Melvin Ingram playing so many snaps. You had Jameer Jones out there and a guy, I think uh, – Tuska is his last name, an outside backer from North Dakota State. Um, I guess the impact of the injuries, your take on what you saw from the defense, do you think that they're going to improve once we get Watt back out there and Highsmith? Um, I mean, all-world player in Watt. Was this an anomaly game? Um, you know, Should we expect to see an improvement this weekend? And does Watt play? Uh, anomaly game. Bengals look pretty good. They, they, you know, I, I think we would trade franchises right now, trade players. <laughs> um, to start with, the the Ravens have Lamar Jackson. The Steelers have Terrell Edmonds. The Steelers could have drafted Lamar Jackson. And I don't want to hear about how many playoff games he has or hasn't won. The guy's a threat, and he's getting better as a passer, mm-hmm. and he'll continue to get better as a passer. And he's the kind of guy – it can keep an, a, a Ravens team with an injured defense in their season. Mm-hmm. Steelers don't have that guy. Yeah, and I I looked at Mike Tomlin on draft day when he was looking up at the monitor watching the Ravens drafting Lamar Jackson. I said, "Do you see anything interesting up there?" He goes, "No, I'm just waiting for you guys to ask your dumbass questions." <laughs> he didn't say that, but it was pretty much what he said. And when I walked up after the. You know, he acted like he didn't care that the Ravens were drafting Lamar Jackson. He was coming in to talk about Terrell Edmonds. And uh, I walked up to get my tape recorder off the desk, and I heard him asking Burt Loughton, how did the Ravens get back up in there? What happened? He was concerned. Mm. And I think it's going to be a concern for a while. And I know Joe Burrow was out of the question, even uh, the uh, quarterback from Oregon. uh, You know, people said they shouldn't have traded – uh, for Minka, they could have drafted a quarterback. They couldn't have gotten Herbert or Bear, Justin Herbert. Yeah. You don't look into quarterbacks' names, really, because of Ben for 20 right. years. But um, Lamar Jackson was the guy they, they should have grabbed. Uh, but uh, back to your, your question about defense, sure, uh, TJ's an all-world player. And uh, also, uh, 
Alu Alu, some of those big runs you watched who the nose tackle was in the base. It was three, four. I mean, it would, it would be less of a running situation, but when they would keep the base and they, they take out bugs, bring in louder milk and move cam to the nose. Mm-hmm. Cam got moved around. Mm-hmm. He got moved around on some of those big runs and right off cam's butt. Yeah. Uh, so that was a problem. So injuries were definitely a problem and Alu Alu is going to be a, a loss. And, uh, Watt and Highsmith definitely were losses. You watch Jameer Jones play in preseason, and you say, you know, this guy's got a Harrison body. He's got a Harrison mentality. He's got some strength. It's not quite Harrison-like, but let's not do what they did with Harrison and wait five years to throw him out there. Throw him out there now, and he was not James Harrison. Yeah. And it's unfair for all of us, but we've all seen how it all has worked, and I think so that gives you a little bit of hope. And by the end of the game, you're wondering what's Cassius Marsh doing today. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's uh, one of one of my friends this summer talked about the concept of fool's gold in training camp. Some of these players that flash, but then when you actually see them in a, an NFL contest, that they're not there yet. You know, not to shut the door on Jones. Well, let me um, say this about that: if you shut the door on everybody, you're never going to get a James Harrison. Right. You know, some of these wishes do come true, so you can't. Yeah, you're smart because 80% of the time it's gonna not it's not gonna work out. So bravo for you for calling this and predicting that. Yeah. But guess what? You know, you have to look for that stuff. You have to. And I'm not writing Jameer Jones off. He's what they had. The guy I liked was Quincy Roche. Mm-hmm. How's he doing with the Giants? I don't know. I haven't looked it up. But I really he had the size. I mean, look at those Bengals defensive linemen. They all have size and and yeah. that's probably why they went and took louder milk you're going to develop into nfl players because they have that nfl body right now and right. quincy roche had it truska does not i know they like truska and i know he's now like some kind of joke in town people are mocking him because he won uh, joe starkey wrote that he won a fan contest it looked like <laughs> you know it could have been any of us fans but the steelers liked him on draft day brought him in but they got alex highsmith they didn't need to draft truska Tush- in the next round yeah so now they got him because they lost Roche. And I was a little ticked that they lost Roche. So uh, that's that's how that's all evolved. And you have to take a look at guys that might become that James Harrison. Oh, Ola. Ola's doing well now. And they, they, they kind of regretted losing him. Huh? Yeah. Even before he's come on and played well, there were some regrets in training camp where uh, Mike Tomlin, was, they were surprised that they couldn't pay that extra buck to keep Ola. They were really cash-strapped. Yeah, I don't know who to blame. Everybody's looking to blame somebody. This is just a fact of life in the NFL of rebuilding. Such is life, as Tomlin would say. Um, You know, and with with the absence of the pass rush, you know, that uh, 70 was it 75, 76 games with the sack recorded by the Steelers defense ends. I think it it really put a lot of pressure on the secondary. And I just want to highlight one play as we wrap up the defense here, but that. Less than a minute to go, second quarter, Jamar Chase just absolutely gets behind James Pierre for that score. And really, you know, that's uh, I think that was the the momentum uh, sealer for, for the Bengals. The secondary play in general, even though Burrow didn't put up a ton of yardage, it seems like he had his way and he was efficient. It seemed like every other pass he threw was a touchdown. Are you concerned about the secondary? Do you think that was just a result of? Missing T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. 
Yeah, a lot of, you know, you miss your pass rush, sure. Especially the way they were getting there with four against Buffalo in particular. That's not there anymore. No to it. No, I, you know, go down the list. Look at the, the four of their five guys that they counted on across the front and the base were out. Four of the five for a cash strap team that just put it all together and re-signed Watt for the fans and nobody's there except Cam playing the nose. Um, Devin Bush is not showing all that much. Uh, I don't know if that's knee related or if they overestimated his skills. Um, uh, you know, concerned about the secondary, you know, Pierre got beat by a great, great talent. We're going to see Jamar chase for a while. And that was cover three, and he should not have gotten beat deep, but he was. Yeah. And people will go back and, and look at Mike Tomlin's clock management, and I've had some skirmishes on Twitter about that. He called a timeout right before a touchdown. I don't know that you can that you can complain about a timeout right before a touchdown, mm-hmm. one of how many touchdowns they've scored this year. Yeah. And But, but the thinking is that a, a real chess player like Belichick – wouldn't have given Cincinnati that much time to beat James Pierre. Yeah. I just don't know how you can complain about time management. You know, Ben's always been a, why did you call timeout? Why did you spike the ball there, Ben? And it always looks like it's Tomlin. I I don't know who called the timeout. It didn't surprise me at the time when they called timeout with 109 left at the four-yard line. I don't think you start playing chess right there with four rookies up front. If your quarterback called the timeout, fine. Uh, if if Tomlin called the timeout, reset, make sure you score. And they didn't even come out and try to run the ball and waste time. I, I kind of would have run Najee there to waste time. I thought mm-hmm. of that. But when they when they throw and it's a touchdown, I don't know how you can complain. He, he, sometimes, you know, with four rookies on your offensive front, you might need to make sure everybody's on the same page because yeah. the first and three later in the game. Yeah, I think first and three, there was an offensive pass interference penalty, and then a sack. And I, did, is that when they missed the field goal? I think so. Yeah. So if they did get a field goal, it was either a field goal or a missed field goal. Excuse me for not having my play sheet in front of me. But that was first and goal to three with no timeout. Look at the disaster that followed that. Yeah. So I'm not going to complain about the time usage right before a touchdown was scored. That was on the defense. Uh, James Pierre and no pass rush. So yeah. I, I'm not too concerned about the second. Even Terrell Edmonds had a pick. Yeah. A pick. Joe Hayden wasn't re-signed because they felt he lost a half step. He's still a good player, but he is what what he is over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cam Sutton was used inside and uh, Pierre was outside. You have to like Pierre's development, but you didn't like that play. Yeah. Another part of the process. Right. I'd have to agree with you on that timeout before the touchdown. Again, it's it's about being prepared. And if you have an opportunity to get six, you make sure that you're on the same page. Uh, because if you don't, then it could have been a worse outcome than, than what we saw. So uh, I would have to agree with you there. One more question before we get into our terrible three for our fourth episode. And Jim, all things considered, heading into Lambeau Field for a battle against Aaron Rodgers who is an elite quarterback. This is going to be a difficult passing game. Early prediction for how the Steelers fare uh, against the Packers this Sunday at 425. 
Yeah, well, so I went one and one. I went, I think, two and zero to start the one and one season, and got a little cocky. And uh, <laughs> they're going to win four in a row. If that doesn't look like it's going to be the case, this is going to be a tough one. You know, when the backs are against the wall and the entire public is coming down on them harshly, I mean, it, it this this week is going to be an S storm. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, this whole week, I, I'm not going to listen to. I'm not going to listen to Twitter or watch radio. So <laughs> people should listen to our podcast. Listen just to our podcast. I, I was trying to be calm and serene today. Uh, you got me worked up a little bit. <laughs> These terrible three questions are going to have me howling. I'm trying to be serene. I'm trying to explain that this is a bigger process than we all expected. We probably all jumped on the bandwagon, including Colbert and Tomlin and I don't know if anyone's to blame, really. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers looks like Aaron Rodgers of old. And, you know, they have a horrible left tackle filling in for an injured left tackle. Mm-hmm. And he's given up everything. But Aaron Rodgers was not skittish one bit. Mm-hmm. Stepping up into the pocket, still strong. I, I, I'm not sure I should recommend that Ben do the same for his own health. But uh, he's got to. He's got to. Put all that offensive line stuff aside. Don't take such deep drops. Don't be so skittish on the move. Aaron Rodgers didn't look skittish at all. His arm looks strong still. I, I think Ben's th- making some great throws as well, uh, making some poor throws, but um, he's got the arm. He doesn't have the mobility that Aaron Rodgers – Aaron Rodgers ran for a first down, uh, I noticed, early in the game. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Rodgers, you would think, is going to pick this team apart eventually uh, unless they have a pass rush. You mm-hmm. have to. I, you just have to, as much as I'd like to be the only guy trying to get this right and be a genius, mm-hmm. I got to pick the Packers. Yeah. Well, I would say after that Buffalo win, you called it early uh, with the letdown to the Raiders. Um, so I was kind of hoping there that you, you're going to say, oh, I think the Steelers are going to sneak one out and everything comes together. but. I would agree with you just with the way everything has transpired. It's going to take a Herculean effort from the Steelers to win on Sunday and not that they can't win. You know, if some of these things click for them, um, there's no doubt that they, they could score a W that would be a big lifter for the season. Um, but they've got to play entirely better than, than what we've seen these last few weeks. All right, Jim, it is time for the terrible three. Are you ready? Okay, man. All right, here we go. I'm going to fire a few questions at you. So, Following the game after the Bengals win, Tyler Boyd, who is a Pittsburgh hometown boy, played uh, for the Clareton Bears there, played at Pitt. He had some interesting comments. He said, for a Steelers team to lay down like that before the game was over, uh, they portrayed to the whole nation on TV what they were about and how they gave up. That can't sit very well with the organization and the Steelers players. It can't sit very well with the Bengals organization, can it? What's this guy doing? You didn't have to watch what he said at Clareton. They were going to win every game. You didn't have to watch what they said at Pitt because they were going to lose every game. So now he's uh, with the Bengals, and he they've got a nice team. So where's your class, man? I, I remember uh, – and I don't even know what he's talking about laying down. It was hopeless. Remember the Steelers didn't lay down the week before, and they lost their best receiver? I, I'm not really sure what happened at the end of the game that caused him to say that, but uh, uh, I remember, who man, 20 years ago, Jerome Bettis used to own the Bengals. There's, 
nobody he ran through and stampeded through like the Bengals. And they were afraid to tackle him. They didn't want any part of him. And here he was again, closing out a win, just crushing people. Nobody wanted to tackle him. And I get in the locker room. I said, Jerome, what is it about the Bengals that you own? Why do you own them? I mean, they're afraid to tackle you. What, what's it like out there? What are they saying to you? And why do you have so much success? Because at that time, Jerome was starting to tell me things. I, I would get Jerome after the mob would leave. He'd fill me in on some things. And I, I never burned him clickbait wise. You know, these were uh, stories from my, uh, behind my paywall too. And yeah. Jerome became a great source. And, and Jerome's like, hey, you know, I just had some good luck. I know Jerome. I said, Jerome, every time you play the Bengals, you have good luck. This isn't good luck. What is it about them that, that you crush them? Why? He goes, look. We, we got to play them again, man. Talk to me later. <laughs> That's what Tyler Boyd yeah. needs to know. This is game yeah. three. What are you doing? Right, right. <laughs> are you that bitter that the Steelers didn't draft you? It looks like you got a pretty good quarterback. Yeah. I in. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, I don't want to say that intangibles can influence a season, but if there ever, ever there was an opportunity for Tomlin to put some bulletin board material up and say, hey, this is this is what they think of you. You know, again, I know it takes way more than that. But in terms of just a rallying point to say, hey, we are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hopefully they could turn that into some motivation, but uh, really just surprising commentary there. Number two. So James Harrison's football life uh, debuted last Friday on uh, the NFL Network. It was great. Not sure if you had a chance to see it, but that is a, a quality uh, program. They have a football life on Bill Cower, which is phenomenal. Uh, just a great show. Do you have a favorite football life um, from the NFL Network that you would recommend uh, to the listeners? Uh, not really. I just watched James Harrison's football life last night. I liked it a lot. I went to his house. I met his mother. She gave me the quote. I taught my boys. Kindness is a sign of weakness. <laughs> and I, I noticed on the football life, they had beware the dog sign still up all over their front door. That was the one thing I noticed. Uh, James and I had a great relationship. Um, my football life, my history of watching TV, I really wish I could answer your question. I'm, uh, you know, I think of, I, I believe Mike Singletary had a good one. I can't answer it. I, I don't know. TV comes and goes through my mind. I, I'm more worried about the Jeremy podcast. I wish <laughs> I would have known about this question. <laughs> I can't think of another football life, but I enjoyed the Harrison one. I just thought maybe they should have talked to me. I was the Debo whisperer. There we go. <laughs> the Debo. Yeah, I'm telling you, these nicknames that you have, they're just, uh, I keep a running list. They're and Junior, the, the Dan Moore, I don't know if you forgot about that one. That's what I call them now. People are like, who's junior? Dan Moore, yeah. junior. Well, there are a couple other juniors on the team. Benny Snell, junior. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can he please not get another carry for the rest of the season? I'm glad. I don't think he touched the ball against the Bengals, but, yeah, that his carries against the Raiders. All right, last question, Jim. If Mason Rudolph was in there as a starter right now, would this offense play at a better level? possible he'd probably be more fearless in the pocket but I'm not sure that's a good thing because he does hold the ball a lot yeah he didn't get the team into the end zone I mean he had great stats in the preseason but he didn't get the team in the end zone in his nine possessions 
You have to wonder though. You have to wonder. Yeah. But since it's not clear cut, since he didn't get the team into the end zone, since Dwayne Haskins really did have a legitimate shot to take that number two job and failed, I don't know what basis you can uh, bench your Hall of Fame quarterback who's given heart, body, mind, soul yeah. to the city. I And, and you, it's not because you owe Ben, but I just don't see the clear line of delineation yet that says, you know, what, what, what Tommy Maddox said. When Tommy Maddox took that job from Cordell Stewart, who was the defending offensive player of the year, mm -hmm. every time he got in in preseason, every time he got in at practice, it was exciting. You you drew your eyes and you wondered why this guy wasn't playing and you could see that this guy would move the team. And he did. Mm -hmm. You know, Mason Rudolph can do some things, but I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel the need to get him in there. I, yeah. It's like, not calling that time out. If it didn't occur to me at the time, why am I going to look back and then can criticize it later? So it doesn't occur to me right now, really to use Mason Rudolph and watch him get hammered and sacked and fumbled in the pocket. At least yeah. Ben's not fumbling much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully we don't see uh, Mason anytime soon and hopefully Ben gets it together. He's doesn't play. Uh, it, as fearful as he has, he's not as skittish as he has, and hopefully they come away with the win here in Lambeau, Green Bay. But, Jim, uh, great talking Steelers football with you today. Listeners, we appreciate you joining us here on the Steelers Insider Podcast. This is episode number four. You can catch us weekly. We record Tuesday mornings, uh, and we publish right after that. You could follow Jim on Twitter, at Jim Wexel. Uh, so please make sure you give him a follow. He put some great stuff out there. Um, and obviously you've read his work. It's phenomenal. You can give me a follow at Still Study and visit my website at, or excuse me, thestillstudy.com. And we will see you back here next week where hopefully we are talking about a Pittsburgh Steelers win over the Green Bay Packers. But until then, have a great week. Jim, I hope you have a great week too and uh, great catching up with you. This Tuesday morning, I thought it was Monday night. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it. it. Feels like it. It's rough getting up early. I'm not gonna lie, I was struggling today. So. Uh, I hope I hope the Steeler fans stop squabbling with each other and and just the anger. Take it easy. You yeah, know, it, it's a process. And it's a game. At the end of the day, and it's a game. It's a game. So, all right, everybody, we'll see you next week. <laughs>